Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz and I am your host over here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening in today and I hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday so far. So today's podcast episode is actually with Lisa Snyderman. Lisa is an artist and creative who has dealt with chronic illness for over 12 years. Lisa and I talk about what it actually means to go from surviving to thriving. We chat about the importance of slowing down, making sure to stop to grieve on your healing journey, as well as her own chronic illness story. We also chat about her book, A Light in the Darkness, and how fostering healing by giving your creative spirit wings and inspiring you to share your story is so important. We also talk about her virtual summit, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. It's called How to Thrive with Chronic Illness and Limited Energy. From July 10th to 24th, 2020, 2020, 2020, (laughs) I can't speak today, she is putting on a virtual summit about all parts of chronic illness for free. I signed up, so make sure you do as well. The link is in the show notes and in the blog post. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the Chronically Healing Podcast and leave us a review. Reviews help us grow, and I appreciate your feedback so, so much. But yeah, that's it. I hope you all love today's episode as much as I did. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today on the show, I have Lisa Snyderman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you today. So why don't we jump right in and why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what brought you to the podcast? Absolutely. So I am Lise, as you mentioned. I also go by my artist name, Aidy. I'm an artist, a playwright, a filmmaker, an author, a singer-songwriter. And I, as you know, uh, have had and have been dealing with a chronic illness for about 12 years. And so I always look at myself as somebody who obsessively creates to heal. So Mm. that's my biggest part of my story. And the other thing is, is I've kind of more recently discovered that I'm gone from surviving to thriving. Mm. So I'm hoping that's something that we can kind of explore as a theme. Yeah, I love that. It's actually um, something that like my husband and I have talked about just in general is like getting from that surviving mindset to thriving mindset for sure. So just for people to understand, what were some of the chronic issues that you deal with or have dealt with? So picture yourself. You are about six weeks away from getting married. Mm. You're about to go on tour. You have a full-time job and you inexplicably get a rash that, you know, ends up uh, being something unfamiliar to you. Mm -hmm. And you go to a dermatologist thinking he's going to give you some sort of topical cream. And he tells you that you have an unpronounceable illness. Mm -hmm. And he refers you to a rheumatologist and you're 36 years old. So this was my, the start of my plunging me into this foreign world in 2008. And what I suffer from is a progressive muscle weakness disease. It's a rare disease called dermatomyositis. It's autoimmune. And so like many autoimmune diseases, right, there's no, they call it idiopathic, meaning that they don't really have, you know, specific causes for it. And that your body is attacking itself. In my case, my body attacks my muscle cells, for example, and my skin cells. Got it. So it just like, basically you started getting this rash and then you went in and found this out. Is that kind of <laughs> like the short, like the, the, 
Realistically, I was a go, go, go person. So the reality was I just never stopped. So in addition to working my full-time job as an environmental scientist, helping protect water quality for my state of California, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, always doing artistic and creative things. So I was singer, songwriter, classes, lapidary, you know, it would be like going from one thing, one thing, one thing, and never stopping Mm -hmm. and really not understanding that that also probably had some impact on getting a chronic illness, even though, you know, again, we all, when it happens to us first, we kind of ask why. And then I I stopped, (laughs) I stopped asking why (laughs) and more look towards what can we do? You know, what can I learn? What can I teach from this? Not why. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, for me, the lowest point was uh, a flare that ended up rendering me unable to use any of my muscles. So literally one day I woke up and I wasn't, I was feeling off and I tried to revive myself by walking around the block. And uh, when I came back, I had slurred speech and I couldn't swallow. And so my husband, who was uh, out at the time, we were talking by phone and he walked me through, you know, trying to calm myself down until he could get home. And it just, I felt very mechanical, like a robot when I was speaking and I I could only respond. I really didn't have any, you know, things going on. So I didn't know if I'd had a stroke. I really didn't know what was going on. And so he took me to the hospital and I was unable to move any, any part of my body. And so Mm -hmm. I was in the hospital for nearly a month with, um, you know, and then trying to relearn how to sit and how to stand and how to walk and eventually how to play my instruments and learn to sing again. So that was sort of my rehab trajectory over months. That's so crazy. And that would be so terrifying to have within that moment. I feel like for a lot of people with chronic illness, it it's almost like a slow roll happens. And all of a sudden you notice that these symptoms had been happening for a really long time versus like having one day where you're like, my, my body's not working. I know it's crazy. And I mean, I think part of it is, it was a understanding for me that self-care is very important. And it, you know, and it's almost like I've had to keep learning this lesson through yeah. time. Um, I didn't know, for example, the worst that could happen, I thought was I'll sleep something off, right? If we, if we overdo it, sometimes we know we've overdone it. Yeah. Ah, I'll sleep that off. I'll, I'll rest, I'll rest, I'll rest. Cause I have to nap every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, that isn't, you know, it, it makes me realize, oh, you know, I had or had an active disease and it isn't that, you know, that we uh, only need to think about that as rest. It's okay. I need to understand how can I go again from, you know, surviving mm-hmm. and how can I, right. At that point it was acute. It was the acute stage. Okay. So you really are mostly thinking about survival. Mm-hmm. And then on the mental side, I'll, I'll mention, in addition to all the physical things that were happening, the mental side, you know, was something where it was questioning who I was, right? Because I went from complete dependence to, uh, I'm sorry, independence to dependence, right? And had to rely on friends and family to take care of my needs. And so I questioned my identity and my value and my worth and my contributions. You know, I could no longer work. I'm having to draw on disability, right? All those things were happening, just like many of us who go through those, you know, transformations. So how, kind of getting back on this surviving to thriving, how, what does that mean? And how did you kind of come to understand that and make that work for you? 
It's a great question. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that it isn't something that when all this was happening that I was consciously thinking about this. This is more like, like I say, when you're in an acute stage of loss or grief or anything, you deal with that. And it isn't always the time for creativity, to be honest. But for some reason, the, you know, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I really plunged myself into art and creativity. I had recorded some music earlier in the year, and the only thing I could think was, I need to get this music out. Like, for some reason, I compulsively and obsessively wanted to express and share. Um, I learned a little bit later that that was about, perhaps, dealing with darkness so that I didn't have to, like escaping from darkness, so I didn't have to face all of whatever those emotions and difficult, you know, things are that happen during a transformation. I just plunged myself into light and creating musicals and, you know, books and like whatever it was and however that art was taking form that's kind of what you know my art was for me and so i'm i'm not saying that wasn't positive that wasn't nurturing that was all super important and i ended up actually writing my book later about that about transcending chronic illness through the power of art and attitude so creativity you know was one of those places that i naturally um, was drawn to uh, and that's one of my first steps i think from going surviving to thriving right it's like uh, for me, creativity means, it, and I've talked to other uh, people who've lived with illness who share this, that it's not that the illness goes away, but that when we're in these modes, a lot of times we can put aside the illness for a time and get lost in the joy and the making. And, you know, a lot of times like time stops. And I know, you know, you've probably had similar experiences where, you're so immersed in something that you forget even to do your basic needs, like eat or, you know, go to the bathroom, like things like that, that you're, cause you're so excited and in, in, in the flow. Mm. So that was something that, you know, I really turned to as, you know, step one for me going from surviving to thriving was like creativity. Mm. And then the second thing for me was, um, I call I'm saying, you know, transcending to art and attitude. So the attitude side for me is also about, understanding that there is, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish about this, meaning, you know, saying, oh, just be positive and everything will be okay, yeah. right? Or, <laughs> but when I did fill myself with gratitude and love and a positive attitude, you know, of having that as my basis is also something that was huge in terms of the mindset and also for the people around me. So my support system, the you know, friends and family, my partner, for example, who's been through everything on my journey with me. It's like, if I am grateful mm. and appreciative, then it's more of a, like somebody else wants to be around you and help you. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And, and that becomes much more uh, fulfilling of an experience and a journey than somebody who is a victim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, feeling like they're in this place of despair. So anyway, I mentioned that because, you know, I don't want to just say it was art, but it was also this, you know, art attitude. But then here's what I discovered. Okay. I had some missing pieces mm. and I didn't even know it until really recently. So one of the things is I forgot to grieve. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. So I went from like, here's diagnosis and here's all the stuff. And I went straight to management in some ways, right? Or like mm -hmm. 
throwing myself into creativity and doing all this and wanting to give back and, you know, all this stuff. And it was like, I didn't really process. And so part of the reason I wrote my book is because in 2016, I made that I acknowledged that I hadn't processed the loss and going from, you know, independence to dependence and losing all of these kinds of things. But what's really interesting about that is that I still didn't grieve. Mm-hmm. I processed, I analytically processed mentally, Yeah. but I really didn't process the emotions. And so incidentally, I'm also doing a project right now that is called the grieving project where mm-hmm. I'm going through and working through the stages of grief and have created my own stages of thriving. Mm. And I'm using spoken word and an ensemble underneath me to get at this grief, you know, that I had never been able to access before. Uh, and so that, again, it's, it's, what's interesting is, is I used to express outside myself, like creating my fantasy musicals, mm. which were sort of like, to me, as far removed from the illness as you could be. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say this ironically. Here I was thinking I'm doing a fantasy musical. And later on, I realized my themes are light and dark. Mm. And I acknowledge later that, oh, it's <laughs> really reflecting and mirroring the struggle that I was having with my own illness, mm. even though, and I'm glad I didn't really recognize that during the time because it may have colored my experience, you know, in the creating and expressing. But anyways, I say this because now I'm consciously bringing my illness and my experience and journey to the art Mm -hmm. and it's a really different and cathartic way to share and you know to be able to say it's okay this is a part of me and this is you know part of my journey Mm -hmm. I love that so it's an interesting story because personally I I don't know, like somewhere in my teen years decided that I wasn't creative because I couldn't draw, I couldn't paint the way that, you know, some people could. So I just decided or was told, I don't know, that you're not creative. And that's something that like stayed with me for a long time when people would ask me, um, you know, or would say like, oh, your writing is so creative or like the way that you think is so creative. I would be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not creative. That's just that's just writing. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I personally really started to look into that um, space because I, with my chronic illness, I needed to find more ways to be present. And I noticed that when I felt the most present, it was when I was daydreaming. It was when I was reading. It was when I was writing. It was when I was doing the podcast, when I was doing things that kind of got me going in a creative way. And, um, I actually just recently picked back up my flute, which I used to do when I was really young. Um, and I have no idea how to do it anymore, but (laughs) I'm learning. So it's just, it's so interesting to hear because I kind of was brought back into this creative realm because I needed to learn how to be present. And the only way that I knew how to do that was with creativity. And I had to let go of this thought that I had that I wasn't a creative person. So do you think um, that more people feel that way? That they're like, oh, I'm not an artist, so I'm not creative. I have had discussions with different people who say I don't have a creative bone in my body. And what I share with them is I think of creativity as anything that's within you, Mm -hmm. that's your passion or joy. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's just externalizing that. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to 
pick up a paintbrush, you know, even taking in music, Mm. You know, somebody who's an appreciator of things instead of just making the things is also to me a place of creativity. It's mostly your bliss place and your joy place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's wherever you go to get lost in that. And I realized also it doesn't always have to be a joy place. I shouldn't necessarily say that because I understand that, you know, different things can come up when you're creating. Catharsis happens and it doesn't always have to be this happy joy thing right? It can be your dark darkness is, you know, coming through like in this grief project. It isn't just the joy, but in general, I think of, you know, if anybody thinks that they're not creative, if they're taking a walk and they're noticing, you know, being present, as you know, to me, is part of it too, mindful of the smell of the flowers, you know, the sound of the birds, the color of the green of that tree, that to me is also right. You're you're paying attention to those those elements. So yeah, I think anybody can tap into their own creativity. Yeah, thank you. And I I think that too the the thought around grief is so powerful too. I think for me, um, I didn't immediately my transition actually and in, initially was anger was being mad at people for not helping me was kind of this victim side of things of being mad at my own body of things like that. And then I kind of moved into the space of paying attention to what my thoughts were actually bringing and how it wasn't making me feel any better. But the grief side of things, I think, I think a lot of people kind of unintentionally skip that step because feeling sadness and grief, um, is hard and it, it can be like yes. damage, da- damaging in a good way, but just meaning it can be so powerful um, to feel through, but it's super I, important. I think two things. I think what you said, I, I don't know if you said unintentionally, I, I think it's intentionally skipped, mm. meaning, yeah. meaning they're not going there because they don't want to feel that sadness and things. But the other thing is, is I feel like sometimes we don't think of grief for illness. We think of it for the loss of a loved one, you know, and in different ways, we don't necessarily think to grieve our illness in the same way that we would lose a loved one. Let's look at, you know, our situation today, creating in a pandemic Mm. or, you know, being in a pandemic, I should say, so much grief is coming up for so many people. Mm. And it's a kind of conscious realization for me that grief pours in, you know, and in different ways that we don't necessarily think about besides just the loss of the loved ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And in, in kind of grieving that previous life that you had or grieving the life that you thought you might have different things like that. Um, it's really powerful. It's very difficult, but it's very powerful and helpful on that, that healing journey for sure. Yeah. So the other piece for me was wellness. Mm. And so let's look at it this way. So, so many of us have physical transformations that happen, right? They're happening to our bodies and sometimes to our minds, right? So it makes sense in some ways that we're doing things to help those parts of us that are affected, you know, as an example, taking drugs, treatments to fix the, in my case, you know, prednisone or methotrexate or all these immunosuppressive drugs, or in my case, also five days at the hospital receiving infusions each month in order to help with stamina and strength and energy. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things, physical therapy, physical rehabilitation, it's all physical, 
So here I was spending so much time on the body and trying to heal the body that I didn't even think about really what wellness and health and well-being meant. So this whole idea of thriving in some ways is sort of also the genesis of the summit that I'm, you know, wanting to put on because, but I'll say this, when I wanted to, to do this, it was about helping other people, mm-hmm. you know, others with chronic illness, inspiring them and encouraging them to thrive. And here I am, I can provide my experience and lens through creativity mm-hmm. and art and, and attitude. But that is, you know, my wheelhouse. So I wanted to ask a bunch of different people and experts about what their experiences are and what kinds of practices and strategies and thoughts they have about thriving. Well, it wasn't until way into the interviewing process that this realization for me of what does thriving mean for me came up because I didn't really get that I had spent so much time in that physical realm. So if you can think of our bodies and our, not just our bodies, ourselves as four quadrants primarily. So we've got our physical, our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual. Mm -hmm. Well, those things for me and understanding that about kind of like a wellness wheel or whatever you look at it as, you need to balance and nurture all Mm -hmm. of these aspects and they're all connected. And it makes sense, obviously. But when, you know, to me, it made more sense. It's like, well, my symptoms are my body. So of course I'm going to be treating all this. And plus so many of us go to Western medicine Mm -hmm. that that is the first place. You know what I mean? It's like, well, sometimes we kind of put blinders on because they're supposed to fix all that's going on that's keeping us sick. You know what I mean? So for me, it was that shift from what is you know physical well-being look like to oh i need to think about my diet not that i was i'm not saying i wasn't thinking about my diet or i wasn't exercising instinctively i i know these things but i i really didn't put that together in the sense of what does well-being look like for me and what does thriving look like so that was the missing piece also was you know that shift from physical to oh i need to make sure that i can you know tap into all of these what were, just out of curiosity, what were some of those shifts that you made in those different quadrants? Well, like, like I said, the biggest shift is, is the one from just focusing so much energy yeah. <laughs> into the physical. So I already knew that I was creating and I feel like that could tap into both spiritual and emotional as well as mental, you know, when you're processing, like if I'm songwriting, it is first an analytical process and then a, you know, more unedited and free flow kind of thing. But when I'm, sometimes it's analytical too, right? Yeah. So all of the, that's kind of touching on those, but the shift for me, here's a perfect example is I made a conscious decision to stop receiving my IVIG infusions in March. Mm, And I did that because I feel that the risk with COVID and me being five days at the hospital setting is too much for me, even Mm. with precautions. I just couldn't take that risk each month right now. Mm -hmm. So I made that decision to stop. Well, that puts it on me to put that into my hands to be my own, not not only advocate, but my own, um, I have to be in charge of my own 
management of my disease. I'm not stopping my meds. I'm still taking prednisone, you know, and other things, my immunosuppressive drugs. Mm. But I felt like I needed to take on some more things to help me manage. So I sought out one of the interviewees from my summit, which is a functional mm. nutritionist. And it's somebody that I had a, a affinity and resonance with when I did the interview. Mm. And so I've been working with her to change. I did a sugar reset as an example. I did um, a, I'm taking supplements. Mm -hmm. And so those things on my nutrition side and yes. helping my diet are also helping keep inflammation down yes. and changing what's happening inside my body so that my disease can be hopefully, you know, managed now while I'm not doing medical interventions like IVIT. That is a perfect example because it's literally taking something that's not just theoretical anymore yeah. and putting it into practice. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about your summit too? I would love to hear more about it. Yeah. So the origin of this is, uh, I'll, I'll share briefly, is that I felt like even after 12 years, I've written a book, I've done um, interviews, I actually interviewed 45 different artists creating to heal in 2018 to share their stories and art. And mm. I produced events, I launched the book, I'm telling you all these things, because despite all of this, I still, um, you know, had to find ways even after 12 years, and I'm, I still have challenges that remain. Mm. So my challenges are, how do I continue to create, mm -hmm. connect, and forge community while homebound and with limited energy. Mm -hmm. So I had another flair, and the reason I'm sharing all of these um, things that I just did, the launch yeah. and the, all that, is I also put all of that into a very short time. So it caused or resulted in me, my body saying, that's too much. Mm -hmm. So I, I did have another flare that um, resulted in me being homebound for about 18 months and that yeah. decision to, to have infusions to help with my disease. Okay. The reason I say it is because it is one, it is a realization that even my creative place, my nurturing place can be a detriment if mm -hmm. not balanced by okay. self care. That's first. So when I wanted to, do the summit. My idea was that I wanted to inspire and encourage others who are living with chronic illness to thrive and to go from surviving to thriving. Mm -hmm. But I needed to be mindful because I live with chronic illness and this had just happened. I had a flare. So how am I, I'm in the hospital each month. How am I supposed to, you know, do all this? And so I put it on myself to limit the number of interviews that I would do each month and to extend out my time period for a year. Now, some people can do a summit in three months. They do everything, you know, and, and do it all. That is not my model. And that's, you know, it's just not how I can do things. Yeah. So it's a lesson to everybody mm -hmm. about not that we, our dreams die, but mm -hmm. that we look at them from a new perspective, right? How can we continue to live our dreams? Well, mine was, I actually wanted to do a documentary on all of this initially. And then I realized I don't have not only the money, but the bandwidth. I just yeah. don't have it. So the biggest thing is going to be, you know, how, how can I, um, how can I help from my perspective of being home and contributing? Right. Mm -hmm. So that was the origin of the summit. I interviewed 60 different experts and they're people that uh, range from uh, alternative practitioners, medical professionals and mental health professionals, artists who also battle illness, 
uh, online support communities, uh, spiritual teachers and healers, and um, other, you know, thought leaders. And so between all of these different people, I'm sort of listening to their stories and having them share their experience and, you know, strategies and practices that help them. And the, be the best way I would probably summarize is to say, just like for all of us, something happens, we struggle, mm -hmm. and then we discover something, right? Whether it's some solution or some, something that helped us get through it. And then we want to share that with others. And oftentimes we are encouraged or inspired to make a transformation in our own lives, whether such starting a new practice or, you know, teaching and preaching to other people. Like it seems like that is sort of everybody's story in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it was a beautiful experience. And so what I'm doing is making that available. It's a 14 day summit. It's free. That was hugely important to me because I wanted to make it, entirely free, accessible uh, for all time. So the videos, you know, they may not have, um, they may not stay exactly where they are now, but they will be up forever once they're up. So that that's important to me. The other thing that's neat is that it will be uh, two live Q&A speaker panels. So there'll mm -hmm. be about 15, you know, to 20 people on each day of the speaker panels that people can actually show up and ask questions and it'll be moderated by me. And then uh, also some opportunities in the Facebook community. So please, I welcome you to join that because during the summit, I'm going to show up every day on the community and have special things, whether it's special mm -hmm. guests or topics related to uh, the theme of that day. And then also a live drama therapy workshops that uh, our sponsors mm -hmm. are putting on so that people can get a sense of what, you know, what does this look like uh, as a demo? When is this summit? July 10th through the 24th. So it's two weeks. And it, the reason it's July 10th, by the way, is that it's considered chronic illness awareness day mm. because seven of 10 people live with chronic illness. So they made it seven ten. I didn't know that. That's so, <laughs> I love that. I uh, thought that was pretty cool. It's, it's not one of the official, like, I don't, you know, it's not an official national day, but mm. it is something that when I found it, I said that has a meaning. And I think that we should definitely, uh, you know, support it. Yeah. I love that. That's such an amazing resource for people and that you're putting out. And I think, I don't know, I, I hope that everybody that's listening is super interested and go, will go check it out. Cause I know that I will, <laughs> but I love that. And I love that you're bringing in so many different people and stories. And it's something that when I started this podcast, it was for a similar reason. It was to like get everybody so that they could give their story. And what you're saying is so true. So many people that I've had on the podcast, you know, they get really sick, they get really down and then they, they find something that helps them. And then from there, they just want to tell everyone about it because they want to, they want to be able to help everybody else around them. So I think this is such a cool opportunity and like, there's just going to be like such a, a diverse, like, amount of people that will be able to, that people will be able to learn from. I am hoping that is definitely the case. And then I can also kind of share some of the issues. So some of the, what, what was important to me is kind of what are some of the issues that we all face? And how might the speakers, you know, speak to them and uh, by topic. So the kinds of issues might be like I was talking about how to address, you know, your mental, emotional, spiritual and social health and well-being while managing 
physical health through medical treatments and therapies. These aren't the titles of talks. These are just things I've sort of gleaned from, a t from talks, right? Finding communities of people that can provide support and inspiration during mm -hmm. your journey with illness. How to start and keep to an exercise program. Oh, yeah. What to consider when thinking about nutrition and changing your diet. What mindfulness and meditation are and how they differ and how to start a practice. Mm. You know, why practices such as gratitude and journaling can help you, mm. how to create art and music with illness, you know, how to balance, this is a big one that comes up, how to balance between work, self-care, and illness when you have low energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how, one of, this is from uh, Amy um, Ostriker. This one is how to navigate your own illness detour. Mm. And this is one of the most inspirational women person and artist that I and, I and most people will ever meet. So mm -hmm. Amy's story is this that when she was 18, I believe, or 17 or 18, she her stomach exploded and she was oh in a coma for about four months. And when she came out of it, unknowing all that was happening around her, obviously for four months, she couldn't eat or drink for six to seven years. Whoa. So she had to find real ways to be creative. And I mean, in her problem solving, in her approach to survival mm -hmm. and all of that led her to just a beautiful acceptance of her detour. And so, you know, that's an example of, you know, one of the most inspirational talks and also books that, that um, I've seen. So there's, there's a lot of beauty, you know, that happens. And then, you know, topics, uh, I would say uh, topics such as nutrition, spirituality, mindfulness, yoga, mm -hmm. meditation, functional medicine, mental health, creative therapies like art, drama, and music, and a lot of holistic and alternative medicine. And also one that, that isn't talked about much, which is sexual health and intimacy. How do people sign up for this or is it, how would they be able to join? So the two places, the first and, you know, um, easiest is to go to the link I'm going to give you, which is how to thrive with chronic illness.haysummit.com. But it, since it has dashes, I'm going yeah. to make sure I give you the link. Yeah. When you go there. It's the whole website and you can read about the speakers, the schedule, the um, extra talks, like all the kinds of stuff on the homepage, you can read all about why the summit, you know, was born and everything. And then you could just take and redeem your free ticket, which is really easy to do. So that's the best way. And then also the Facebook group, as I was noting, would be great to join. And I'll give you the link for that. But generally, it's a how to thrive with chronic illness and limited energy if you were to search for it on Facebook. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll have those linked in the blog post and on the um, in the show notes, but that's, that's awesome. And I know I'm going to join. I am sold over here. <laughs> That'll be super great. Um, I'm super excited, but I don't want to forget to, to like touch on your book a little bit. We kind of mentioned yeah. it, but I would love to tell the listeners what your book is about and how they can get that. I think, um, people really, the people that I've uh, talked to my listeners, they really love kind of taking in and soaking in content. So, so yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Absolutely. So I did share the origin of the book and I, then I, you're right. I kind of passed on to the next thing. The book <laughs> itself is called a light in the darkness, transcending chronic illness through the power of art and attitude. Mm. And it is an inspirational story of 
and he, the healing power and of music and creativity, of finding your own purpose and path and following your dreams. That's mm -hmm. the best way to, to, to summarize it. And it really answers the central question of what do we do when we're struggling with illness that doesn't go away? Mm -hmm. Right? That's sort of the crux of everything. And what I do is that through confessions and life lessons, I offer support and compassion and strength and connection and all of these things to help people who battle chronic illness as well as loved ones and caretakers uh, to, you know, get through these unexpected life challenges. So that's what the book is and how they can get it is I will also give you a link to Amazon and also my website, a light in the darkness.info. So you can find out a lot more information there. I also included at the end, uh, some Q and a so, sort of, so questions that you can ask yourself, uh, after so that you can support your own journey. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not so much a, self-help and workbook style. It's not a recipe for, this is more of an inspirational story. And what I've found in terms of impact is that from people who've read it, they're sharing that it inspires them to do something on their journey, which mm -hmm. that is a beautiful impact to me. That's, you know, that's, that's what I, that's why I did it is to inspire you to do what's in your soul. So at the heart of my mission is fostering healing by giving your creative spirit wings and inspiring you to share your story. Mm -hmm. That's my mission. And so when I, you know, look at that, it, what it means to me is that when I share mine and I'm vulnerable, it often is a door or an opening for others to share theirs. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what I'm here to do. So that's what the book is kind of one of those openings for that. I love that. That sounds so awesome. How long has that been out? Since 2018, so September of 18. That's awesome. I love that. So one question that I like to kind of ask everybody is, um, and we kind of touched a little bit on this, but are there any like rituals or routines that you love to do that like really help you feel your best and has been something you've incorporated in your daily life? Yes. So one of those for me has been morning pages. So mm -hmm. the yep. equivalent of the artist way, which is Julia Cameron's book, you know, the, the shortened version. <laughs> so yeah. something that I feel like I can do. And, uh, it's the first thing that when I wake up, I consciously think about like putting something on paper and it doesn't, it's just sort of writing on paper and brainstorming without having to crit criticize or edit the flow. Yeah. So for me, that's one of those uh, big ones that just, and part of what it does for me is enables like the stuff that sometimes that chatter mm -hmm. to not have to be there later so that I can unblock that creativity that might, you know, be wanting to come up. Because a lot of times if you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I have to do these bills or I have to, you know, call the, the vet because I have to take the dog in for her, you know, yearly appointment, whatever it is, those things for me get in the way of the creating. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one of those rituals. The other thing, and this is not, you know, this is that I need it to survive and to thrive and that's napping. So oh. I will, I will say I've had a struggle with my relationship with sleep. 
mm. because it, I have guilt or I have it in the past, had lots of guilt. I don't feel productive <laughs> when yeah. I'm needing to nap. It's like, yeah. no, I, I want to get all this stuff done. I don't want to nap. But if I fight these naps, then I'm actually worse off to myself mm. and everybody around me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are the, I would say the two things and it, it's not like sexy or anything, but I need a nap. So yeah. I have to build that in. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think remembering like <laughs> that there's going to be things that are important to you and in prioritizing them is, is of utmost importance and that they'll, that'll change for you too. Like I, I was very focused on um, journaling and meditation for a really long time. And then it kind of switched to, I needed when the weather got better, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to take walks and almost do like an active meditation versus like sitting. So like things change and kind of just finding what works for you is best. I think that's a good way to put it because I don't always stick to, you know, it's funny. I have a ritual and I know it's there, but I'm in that place too. And I think the ritual portion is doing something that fills whatever that is supposed to be addressing. So you're right. It can change and take a different artistic form or whatever it is. But the idea of something, the other one uh, for me that's become lovely and I'll just share is chair yoga. So it's, it's an area where I was having problems with mobility and movement. And every time I would have exercising, it really would just kind of wipe me out, which a lot of people I'm sure can deal with. And I discovered from my physical rehab was chair yoga. And that is like a YouTube, which I'll actually give you the the link if you want. Um, And it's been really great because I can literally sit in my chair and do these beautiful stretching and it helps with the mindfulness and the presence and as well as movement. So that's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's such a cool, I actually, um, it's funny that you bring that up because like just yoga in general has just not not been something I've connected with, but recently I started doing restorative yoga just a little bit. Um, and realizing coming at it from like this yoga, isn't necessarily an exercise to make me be fit or make me lose weight. This is literally just a space to do it. And I really loved it once I was able to like switch that mindset around it too. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So where could people find you online if they wanted to connect with you and and see what you're up to? Yeah. So I love connecting online and the best places are going to be Facebook and Twitter for me. So Facebook, again, I'll give you links, but AED Muse Music and then AED Muse is my Twitter. And, and then, um, the, uh, I can also just say, please share the summit to with anybody who you think might benefit. Again, it's a free summit. So the whole thing for me is spending a year of my time wanting to really just make sure that the people who need it can get the information and benefit from it. Yeah. And this podcast will actually be going up right before, like the week or two, right before it is live. So I know everybody that's listening can, can hopefully share it a little bit more. I'll definitely share it too. But is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? I would say that in keeping with my surviving to thriving, you know, whatever life throws you and mm-hmm. keeps throwing you curveballs, right? Through pan- pandemics and crises and illness and loss, keep your dreams alive mm-hmm. and keep dreaming new dreams and finding new ways to be a light and shine your light. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for being on today. And I'm so excited for everyone to join your summit and make sure everyone that's listening to, to check out all the links in the blog and in the show notes so that you can join. Thank you. It was really enjoyable and I appreciate the time and consideration today. Thanks.